Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 93 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I talk to the retired party girl herself, Tori. Tori walks us through her drinking career and what led her to ultimately releasing alcohol from her life. From a pandemic to Black Lives Matter to protests and rallies, Tori explains what she is doing to stay sober and what is in her sober toolbox. She is experiencing her first sober summer, so make sure to grab a pen and paper because this episode is full of tips and tricks. Let's get into it. Okay, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Our guest again explains how taking a 30-day break from alcohol was monumental to their recovery process. Now I ask you, what can you gain from 30 days of being booze-free? There are so many possibilities, and I challenge you right here, right now, head to a sobergirlsguide.com and sign up for the 30 days to gain booze-free challenge. 30 days is a perfect amount of time to take a break, to put space between you and alcohol. The results are absolutely amazing. If you want to truly change your relationship with alcohol, it all starts with the, with the first 30 days. Head to a sobergirlsguide.com to sign up now. Tori, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I can't wait to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I am okay considering all the things going on in the world right now. Yeah. Um, the most important thing, though, is that I'm staying sober through it all a pandemic and a race war mm-hmm. <laughs> all at once. So I have managed to stay sober through the hardest time I've ever been through socially um, and politically. So that's a win. Yeah. Well, yes, that is definitely a win. Um, I wanted, before we get into um, your amazing Instagram account, which I love, and the super cute merch and all that good stuff, I wanted to know a little bit more about you and how you became this retired party girl. If you could take us back to the beginning, the early days, what was it like? Yes. So... I think I started drinking when I was 16 years old, Mm -hmm. so super young. Um, I actually grew up with an alcoholic parent, so I didn't have a lot of boundaries on what I could and could not do. I think that works two ways for kids. Sometimes kids self-discipline themselves, um, and other times people go crazy. I was the latter. Um, so I partied like crazy, I would say from 16 to 23, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I had a couple stints of not drinking or monitoring my drinking, um, doing the funny things that we do. Like I'm going to tally on my wrist every single time I have a shot. That way I can look down and, um, see how many right. shots I have and hold myself accountable. And obviously that didn't work out. Um, I had gotten back together with an ex and my drinking kept coming up in our problems in our relationship. Um, My last straw happened on last New Year's Eve when I embarrassed myself in front of his family. And I woke up in the morning with massive anxiety, Mm. (laughs) massive amounts of shame. Um, And I just finally was like, you know what? I don't ever have to feel this again. And so I'm not going to, and I haven't had a drink since New Year's Eve of going into 2020. And who would have known it was going to be the weirdest, hardest year of all of our lives. (laughs) Um, But I've managed to stay sober this long. Yeah. Picked a good year to do it. Uh, (laughs) No time like the present. What was that like growing up? I want to kind of backtrack. What was it like growing up with uh, a parent who abused alcohol? Like you said, you had no boundaries. Like, what did that mean? Like, were they just like, oh yeah, like here's alcohol, like go for it. What, what no, uh, not necessarily. But I think when someone is dealing with their own addiction, um, they're not able to care for somebody else, especially a child. Mm-hmm. So in a way I was emotionally neglected. What's interesting about my parent who was an alcoholic is that they were functioning. So I had, you know, a home, I had a bedroom, I wasn't neglected. I always had food to eat. I always went school shopping before the school year. Um, I always had the cutest, newest stuff, but my emotional connection with my parent was missing. And so in a way, I think that I reached out to alcohol as a coping mechanism as a way to force connections with people that I had been missing for so long in my childhood. Mm, yeah, I can definitely relate to that, even though like my parents weren't like alcoholics, but they were definitely weren't there like emotionally, like, mm-hmm. like, like you said, like, yes, everything on paper was like provided for, right? Like everything looked great on the outside, like cool, like you have a car to like drive your kids to school in, house, perfect, school right. supplies, food, you know, right. so you look like you're like rocking it being a parent. (laughs) Yeah. And people don't think of neglect as being emotional either. They think like, well, did you have shoes to wear? And did you have a warm coat in the winter? And it goes so much deeper than that. We also, I feel like have to emotionally provide for children, enable for them to grow and flourish. Absolutely. Yes. I know my mom, like sometimes when she listens to like I don't know, just stuff and, you know, like read stuff. She's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. You had yep. a horrible childhood. I'm like, mom, like, yeah. come on. Yeah. yeah. My mom is actually sober now. Um, she has two Oh, years she is? Yeah. So she's sober now. And she wow. constantly is calling me like, I can't believe I did that to you. I'm so sorry. And it's obviously not funny, but we've grown to laugh at all of the- Yeah things that she would get us into as when I was a child. Yeah. But don't you think that like, because you are able to laugh about it and find like some humility in it, like 
it kind of just shows like how far you've come and how far you have actually healed past that. Absolutely. 100%. Because, yeah. When we make jokes about it, I'm like, okay, this is kind of messed up. This is like a little bit fucked up, but it's also really therapeutic. <laughs> so let's keep doing this. <laughs> Baby bit fucked up, but yeah. all right. Yeah, like I, I see where this is going right on. Right right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like that's kind of definitely one of my like testers. Like if I'm not able to laugh or joke about something yet, like um, I'm even, I'm doing this course right now about like all this like really amazing shadow work and stuff like that. And like, I don't know if you are familiar with this work, but you have to like pick out certain, I guess, words to describe yourself. And if you are like triggered by those words and a really strong emotional connection comes up, like it's definitely not healed and it's something that needs to be um, looked at. And so like, I'm like, okay, if I can't laugh at that word, there's, we got some freaking work to do big time. (laughs) And there's definitely, there's still anger there. There's still a Mm -hmm. hint of resentment. There's all of those yucky feelings there but we continue the more the longer she's sober the longer that I am sober um we're able to see eye to eye and I think as I get older mm. I can understand that parents just do the best that they can for sure the they really they love us so much and they do what they know what they do what they know until they know better so yeah for sure and like I mean come on let's give them the benefit of the doubt like look how your parents were raised and how like my parents were raised like Exactly. You know, that shit is like generational and passed down. Like, oh my God, through my mom's mom, through my mom's, my grandma's mom, like everyone. Right. You know, it's kind of like the blind lady and the blind to some degree. <laughs> it, it is, depending on your family, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to go with blind lady blind. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. Oh, so how, when did your parent decide to get sober? So it is my mom. I try to say parent mm-hmm. to give her some uh, confidentiality, but whatever. Yeah. Um, she mom. got sober. I'm not, hi. Yeah. Hey mom. <laughs> shout out to my mom. Yeah. Uh, she got sober in October um, of 2000. So she, it'll be two years this October. So oh, great. Um, and she's so funny. She drank pretty much her whole life and mm-hmm. said she just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. And so she did do AA a little bit. She did have some shakes and a little bit of withdrawals, but Mm -hmm. other than that, really did it completely independently. She made that choice. She said she woke up and was like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, it kind of needs to happen. Like you kind of have to like make, like cross that mental threshold almost. Like I don't like to call it a rock bottom because I don't think that is necessary at all, but there has to be a mental threshold that you cross and you're like, you know what? Wait, hold up. Yeah. I don't have to do this. What am it's I doing a, here? It's almost an epiphany. And it's yeah. once you realize it, you can't unrealize it. No. Like there's no way I could drink and have a good time now because I'm going to be like, what am I doing? I know what it's doing to my body, to my brain. Yes. You know, I know too much now to ever go back. Totally. It's like watching one of those, um, vegan documentaries and it shows you like where all the food comes from and you're like holy shit yeah no. you're like great i'll never be able to get chicken nuggets ever again ever again <laughs> this horrible scene yeah no totally know what you mean scarred for life Absolutely. yeah <laughs> even like i don't know um a friend of mine we were having we actually did this like non-alcoholic um 
bar crawl yesterday. <laughs> we just made it up, made it up as, as we went along um, because she was visiting Vancouver and I'm like, oh, let's just like walk around because you can literally walk around the city in like 40 minutes. It's great. Super small. Um, and we just stopped at like different restaurants and stuff and tried like different kombuchas or different non-alcoholic options. And it was really fun. But then we started talking about um, like naltrexone. Have you heard it? It's like the stuff that kind of allows you to drink, but curbs that um, chemical reaction in your brain that is like, oh, like I need another one or it triggers um, kind of almost like that high that you get. It, mm -hmm. it triggers that like that craving or that satiates that, um, that, that just desire. You're right. To feel like fuzzy yeah. and loopy. Right. Um, so it, it kind of cuts that off, like cuts, cuts you off at the knees almost. Um, and she was talking about it and she said, like, oh my gosh, it like totally works. Like this is like all science-based and blah, 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 blah. And I just like the whole time I'm like, yeah, but I know, like, I just know in my hearts of hearts, like, even if I could, even if I could just have like one or two drinks, I literally don't want to. Mm -hmm. I and don't. That's the most powerful thing in sobriety is I don't even want to. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like, I don't, I think it's possible for, for, for everyone to get there. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I do. I think it's possible for everyone to get there. I think when you are used to binge drinking or you live in our society where drinking is slapping you in the face everywhere you look and it's you feel like it's the only way you can go on a date, it's the only way you can be social, that you might think that you can't. But then I think if you do you know, when I originally did a little stint, I did like a 60 day not drinking. I originally started with 30 days. So I was like, you know, I'm going to do a no drinking month. You know, how people do that. Yeah. And through that month, I was like, this is amazing. Not only can I go on date sober and go home and not regret anything I said and not wake up next to the dude that I went on the date with, I can still have fun sober. I have so much more energy. And yeah. then it, it made me want to keep going. So I think that it takes someone experiencing that, experiencing the highs of being sober, which is ironic, mm -hmm. um, to yeah, like that. Me too. I just made that up. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Write that um, one down. <laughs> the highs of being sober to understand that they don't need to drink. I just yeah. think in our society, it's, I mean, think about movies, Hollywood, TV shows, memes, social media. It's just everywhere. So people believe that they can't do the things that they would do sober. Yeah, totally. I know I get all the time. I'm like, well, what do you do if you don't drink? I'm like, literally anything oh else, anything and everything else. Do exactly what you do. <laughs> don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> Minus like a loud club, which is gross and not fun to me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I went to like, um, cause I used to be a DJ in LA oh, and a couple months ago, like before quarantine and all, all this, um, jazz, I went to see Cascade, who's like a pretty big DJ. Yeah. And like, at first I'm like, ew, this is like gross. Like, I don't want to be here. And then when it like all started, I'm like, oh, actually this is so amazing and so beautiful. Like to actually enjoy mm -hmm. the effort put into it like 
the dancers and their amazing costumes and the lights and just how like everything was in sync and it was just such a really intense experience i'm like this is unbelievable i forgot how much production actually went into things like this that the drunk people just literally goes right over their head it's a waste of time right it's like waste a of time art. it's like that they do it's they're, yeah. they're putting on an art full experience a creative experience which totally is um mm-hmm. i know i can't tell you how many shows and concerts i went to and i got too drunk before even finishing the set watching <laughs> that i'm like I spent money on these tickets no. artists yeah. and then I come here and I get too wasted to even enjoy the production of it. Yeah. So yeah, it is different going to the sober. I haven't really experienced that yet yeah. because I've been sober most of quarantine. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to start going out sober and yeah. Social How do you think, I mean, that's a huge thing that, that I've been talking with um, like ladies on our happier hour um, call once a week, that like the whole integration process mm-hmm. is a real thing. And, and people are, are kind of nervous about it. How are you taking it? How are you going to integrate, so to speak? So not only am I going to be integrating for the first time sober, but also it's my first sober summer. Ooh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, okay. very, I'm very nervous for me. Yeah. Summer in Seattle is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I connect summer and drinking. It's they're one and the same for me. So every summer mm-hmm. is like an excuse to go completely crazy and to drink on a boat and drink when I'm camping and drink during the day and drink on rooftops. So it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. I feel lucky that I've had six months in quarantine to kind of build a community, get a toolbox, talk to my therapist and mm-hmm. kind of prepare for war essentially (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay um and start to integrate so I'm super lucky I've created a community of sober Seattle girls that we're all going to get together throughout the summer so that's really good to have that in-person community as well as the virtual Instagram community totally I love that hold my hand through it yeah how, I mean, how is Seattle? Are you guys like able to move about? Are you guys able to like meet up and stuff like that? Um, some people are, the restaurants just opened at 25% capacity. Okay. So this is all really new. I was just driving yeah. past stores and looking and seeing the open sign like, oh, that's open now. So this is all within the last couple weeks. Okay. So we're slowly opening up again. Cool. I think in the next month or so we'll be going out and socializing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's like a lot of people like meeting in parks and doing that kind of like fun stuff, which is like really, I love actually. Yeah. Like just bringing like big blankets and like playing games. Like apparently I am a cornhole queen. Who knew? Oh, what? Who knew? Yeah. I suck. Quite the shark. (laughs) (laughs) I love playing, but I'm not good at it. That and horseshoes. Oh, I love horseshoes. aim, Aim practice. Yeah. Have you tried that? Like, I don't know if it's called whack ball or something. Like you like bounce it on the net and then no. it comes up, comes at you. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to Amazon that when we get off this call. Yeah. I don't know. It looks diff. Like it looks 
fun, but also it's like, oh, I don't know where that ball is going kind of thing. Like, ooh, okay. Yeah. 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 Not the most athletic. I will yeah, tell you that, yeah. but I try. I don't need balls like flying at my face. I just, no. Yeah. yeah. No. I want to be the one throwing the balls and just right. landing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so how, like, how is that going to, how are you going to get together? Like with groups? Have you, In a park. That? Are you plan? Yeah. 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 So, um, maybe if someone's listening to this and they're in yeah. Seattle, June 27th, we don't have a time yet, but sometime in the afternoon, okay. we're going to be going to a big park in Seattle called Green Lake. It's really beautiful. We're just going to have pizza in the park. So something really simple for our first meetup. Fun. Yeah. So exactly what you were saying. Yeah. Just park, blanket. That way we can keep our social distancing while still socializing. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's a yeah. great idea. Okay. I know there's, I have tons of listeners and followers in Seattle. So oh, ladies. Awesome. Yes. Any age, my mom is actually coming. She's 60. Fun. So it's not any age. Yeah. Um, even sober curious, you don't have to be sober. I, I never want the community to feel suffocating or like you have to fit into a certain box. That's not the case at all. Even mm-hmm. if you're sober curious and just interested in having sober fun, then please come and enjoy it. Yeah. Yes. Sober supporters. Yes. Ooh. That's so cool. Okay. Um, let me know so about that so I can like repost it too. Just yeah. Side, side note. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you about your toolbox, your sober toolbox. What have you been stuck in that baby with these days? Well, definitely not eating healthy. I'll say that. I oh, okay. <laughs> sugar addict as of late. Quitting Ooh. alcohol made me love sugar. Um, but meditating for okay. sure. I downloaded the Calm app, and that's been a lifesaver. Great. Um, I actually developed like a hard time sleeping after I stopped drinking. You'd think it'd be the opposite. I don't know if it's my body just readjusting or transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to meditate before bed. And on the Calm app, you can listen to like natural sounds, which is really nice for me to fall asleep to. Mm. Um, so meditating has been huge. And even just being in the moment when you're meditating, if I just get five minutes of not thinking about my to-do list, mm-hmm. the rest of my day goes so much smoother. Yeah. And it's just so much nicer or 10 minutes. Like I can do that. And I'm always trying to make excuses. Like I don't have 10 minutes. Like, yes, you always have 10 minutes. <laughs> like, yes. Do it. That um, yoga, I've picked up yoga, mm-hmm. um, just at home yoga. Um, I really like Sarah Beth yoga on YouTube okay. and yoga with Adrian. Oh yeah. Classic. Yeah. yeah. She's great. She's really great. So awesome. um, Do you like and- like Pilates or like floor kind of exercises, like stuff like that? I haven't done that yet. Okay. There's, there's this fabulous girl. Oh my God. I'm obsessed with her. Like me and my friends are all so obsessed with her. Um, her name's mad fit and she is so good. Like the workouts are like maybe 20 minutes, but they're full body workouts and they are so hard, but they require no equipment. Nothing. Hey, that's what I need. I need an intense workout, but I want, I don't want it to be an hour because if I see that there's an hour left, I am like, Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I can't go an hour. 20 minutes, I can definitely do. Oh, dude. And you will be so sore the next day, but like in the best possible way. Okay, I'm gonna do that. So it's on YouTube. Mad fit. With oh mad fit. Okay. Mad fit. Yeah. Her name's Maddie, I think, or something. And then it's like, but she just goes mad fit. 
Yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. I need more intense workouts um, to get a sweat going, but yoga oh, yeah. stretching and relaxing. Yeah. Um, and then 100% this community. I yeah. didn't know this existed. I've told people this in the past. For me, growing up with my mom being an alcoholic, I always heard of AA. She was in and out of AA, and sometimes I would have to go to the churches with her or the community centers where they would be. Yeah. And that community of people nothing against them at all. And I know AA works for a lot of people, but to me, it seemed when I got sober, I was like, I don't fit into that demographic. They're older. Mm -hmm. Um, at least from where I I'm from, I know AA has a bunch of different programs all over with a bunch of different ages of people. But for me, it just didn't feel like it fit for me. And I was really nervous going into my sobriety journal journey. Um, not knowing where I would find like-minded people or people my age. And I got on Instagram, I read Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. And in that she suggests, she's like, go on Instagram and look up the word sober. And, uh, you know, that's the people that got me through. So I just started adding people like crazy. And all of a sudden I have this like massive community of people. And although it's online, I really feel close to these people. We hop on Zoom calls, we do lives together, mm -hmm. and they've been a saving grace for me. Yeah, I definitely agree. It, I just feel like it keeps me accountable too. Like it keeps me in check. And that's kind of how I started like my stuff too. Like, don't you think like it's even just like writing about it or like posting like certain quotes and stuff. It's like, this is stuff that I actually need to hear too. 100%. And if you like it, cool. If you yeah. don't, cool. Exactly. It, yeah. it kind of started as a sober journal for me. And then yeah. people, that makes sense. And I'm going through that too. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. And other mm -hmm. people are experiencing all these things and other people want to make sober friends. And um, it's been so eye-opening. I didn't even know this community of people existed before. Yeah. Well, it didn't. I'll tell you right here. It didn't. Yeah. How like long have you been sober? Uh, three years, just over three years now. Um, yeah. But like before, like when I tried to get sober 10 years ago, um, this has been a real, real project. Um, there was nothing except for AA. And yeah. I felt the same way you did. Like I kind of only went to like make myself feel better. Like, oh, you know, I'm kind of doing something about it, even if it was half-ass. Right. Um, but I didn't, you know, relate to those people. And it's not like someone I would even want to be friends with. Um, and it, it's just not how I'm motivated. Like I'm not motivated by stories of like, in the, like being in the, in the past and being reminded of all the crappy stuff I've done or, you know, I just, I just can't relive it all the time. I just don't feel like that's a really productive way to heal. I totally agree. Um, like I, I needed someone to tell me like, listen, it's going to be okay. Tomorrow's a new day. The sun's going to rise <laughs> um, and you're not going to be lame and boring or die because you're sober. Right. Right. And that, and so yeah. fun, I, I guess. Yeah. To me, my memories of going with my mom to AA was that she was crying or that there were people crying while they were talking. And it just kind of felt like a dark cloud. Whereas yeah. this community on Instagram is like fun and like you can make mocktails and like we can share funny stories and yeah. talk about 
funny things that have to do with sobriety. And so it just felt more positive to me. Yeah, totally. And I don't think like self-help has to be so like self-help, like so (laughs) down and out. Like every self-help book is like a shade of like this greeny gray with like a a dock that is just out into a lake. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, there's fog. And it just looks so daunting and right. heavy and you're like well I guess I'm gonna get this self-help book yeah because <laughs> yeah, I don't know what else to do yeah exactly yes. yeah but it doesn't like self-help doesn't have to be so hard mm-hmm. and I think everybody needs self-help and so it shouldn't totally. be like certain group of people that need help because they're you know jaded or their lives or their decisions led them there I think it can yeah. be like I like to better myself. I like to learn. Mm-hmm. Cool. It can yeah. be as simple as that. Learn about yourself. It's probably the longest lesson you will ever learn. And it can be fun. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, okay. When did you start your, your Instagram account? You know, it's like so- when you first got started, like sober or Okay, so I've had, this was my personal Instagram that I just changed over, but it is so yeah. weird. I was just thinking about this the other day. I'm like, when did I change my name to the retired party girl? When did this happen? It, <laughs> just, did this. it feels like a blur, but maybe at like um, two months sober and I started adding these accounts and was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And some other sober accounts started adding me and I was like, you know what? This is taking the... Um, taking first place in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be posting pictures of me partying anymore. So I might as well make this a sober account. Cool. How has that, that, uh, changed like, you know, to become sober affected your relationships? Oh my goodness. Like everyone, you know, you lose <laughs> friends. Um, my, yeah. my partner and I, um, are better in so many ways. I mean, I don't call him and ask him to pick me up or start fights with him or not come home because I got too drunk the night before, which is great for our relationship. Um, you know, little wins. And, um, you know, I, I had some conversations with friends. One that sticks out to me, a friend was like, but we have so much fun when we drink together. Mm. And it was like, you know, a part of me felt bad. I felt like maybe I was missing out on some new memories with this friend, but then mm-hmm. I also felt like it wasn't really about her and I, it was more so about me and what I needed to do for myself. Um, so I told her that and we moved past that, but, um, that's really the only pushback I've had. A lot of the people in my life knew about my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so they know that this is kind of a personal and long time coming yeah. vision and journey. Cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause you do, you, you can get a lot of pushback from people who feel like, Oh, well, we're not on the same level anymore. And people might feel like that. And I, and I do maybe feel the vibes. I just don't think anyone's outwardly said it yet. And so in ways I am slowly growing apart from some people, but I I'm taking it as like the natural process of what happens when you grow. Yeah. I just, I'm taking it for what it is. Totally. I feel like like sobriety kind of like is a microwave in that in that respect. Like it's either gonna like it just like really heats up your relationships. Like okay, is this like real? Is this gonna last? Or are we just like gonna part ways? Right. 
And you have to be ready to accept that. If I tried to hang on to every drinking buddy I had, I mean, we just don't have anything in common anymore. Totally. So (laughs) it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to ask you a question because, you know, I know your mom deals with uh, like substance abuse and you do. And then do you believe that it is hereditary? Mm, That's a great question. My mind has changed about that so much. I do know, um, I go to school for applied behavioral science. And so we do this thing in social work, social work called a genogram. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of it? No. So it's a, um, family tree and you'll mark things on your family tree, like, um, committed suicide or had mental health or had an addiction. So like you might do a box in every family member that had addiction. And when you do my genogram, it is just plagued with addiction. And so in that respect, so like my grandmother, my great grandmother, my uncles, my aunts, my mom, my brother. So it goes all the way down and it's all around my family tree. So in that respect, yes. And then when I think about the way that I was raised, so that could partly have to do with the way I was raised. Like I said, I didn't have boundaries. Had I grown up and my mom was like, listen, my mom struggled with addiction. This is what could happen you know, and there were some strict rules or maybe some hard conversations that we had. It could have been different. Um, so I, I guess partly, I think it's like nature versus nurture. I think it's yeah. like a little, a little bit of both. Right. What do you yeah. think? I don't, I don't know because I, I've definitely had addiction in my family. Like I'll, the only person I can really think of is my uncle Um, but the funny thing is me and my brothers are all have substance abuse Hmm. disorder. Um, so that kind of was like pointing at parents and like upbringing, I think, because we all kind of suffer with the same, you know, issues or we did. Um, and I think that I'm paid to say it, but I think it directly stems from our parents and how, and how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's like hereditary, like in like our gene type thing. Um, but I definitely feel like our parents are somewhat responsible <laughs> and how we were raised because you can't have like, come on, you're batting like a hundred percent. Right. Like three kids. Right. All of the issues. Same <laughs> issues. Right. Um, I don't know. Call, call me crazy, but yeah. But then there are those people, right, who can drink and it never becomes a problem for them. Yeah. So yeah. I'm wondering if the reason it became a problem for me and for my brother mm-hmm. is because of that thing that could be genetic or you know, passed down that for whatever reason, my, me and my mom and her mom and her mom all couldn't handle drinking. It just seems like yeah, there has to be something genetic going on for, for that to happen. Yeah. But, I, mean, but I, I don't know. I, 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 honestly, I don't know either. Yeah. I, I think it can be yeah. um, a lot of different things. Environmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I can just say for like for my family, I know my brothers and I definitely have the same 
like feelings and self-worth mm-hmm. around like why we drink or why we use drugs. Totally. Yeah. And I can see that passing down from generation to generation also. Totally. So yeah. yes. Okay. So that way. Yeah. Hmm. That's something to think about for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a tricky little question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> There's no right or wrong answer. You know, I don't think. No. Those, no. So. no. Um, I also wanted to talk about your line of merch that you have. Yes. Tell me about that. How did that come up? And like, did you design it? Like how? So I use a platform called Bonfire that allows yep. me to, um, it's kind of like a dropship mm-hmm. company, but basically it allows me to design things and sell them and they take a profit. Um, so I originally was inspired by the George Floyd murder and everything that was going on in the world. And I was heartbroken and I wanted to help, but I also don't have a lot of money. So I originally started the merch as a way to give back to the Black Lives Matter community um, and organization. So I did 50% of profits for a short amount of time that went to Black Lives Matter. And then I, like I told you, I read um, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. And she talks a lot about how alcoholism and AA um, can be a little misogynistic and just a touch. Just a little bit. And mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. And I looked more into it and I created a line um, basically titled Alcohol is a Feminist Issue. Um, just because we know that big alcohol targets women and mothers, we mm-hmm. see merchandise like mommy juice, which is, I think is the most ridiculous thing. Cause I had an alcoholic mom. So I'm like, no, that's not yeah. mommy juice. Yes. That's like the opposite of mommy juice. That's like, give your kid trauma juice. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I'm like, don't. No. no, um, I get very upset when I go to Target and I see all those things or a coffee cup that says I'm hungover and oh, with dude. flowers all over it. I have the freaking craziest story to tell you. Okay. Okay. So a couple months ago I was scrolling through like Facebook as you normally do contemplating your life choices right. and naturally looking up people from high school, <laughs> whatever, yeah. just another Friday night. No big deal. And so I came across a a lady that I used to, a lady, um, that I used to. No, don't say that. You're making yourself sound old. A lady. (laughs) I am anything but a lady, but we'll just go there. We'll just say it. Um, So a girl, a girl that I went to high school with, and I was looking at her profile, and it said, like, CEO of, of Mommy Needs a Drink. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So I clicked on it. I shit you oh, not. No. Oh no. It is a child's book. No. Called Mommy Needs a Drink. You are kidding. No, it is fucked right up. Like literally the tagline after like everything, like, oh, mommy had a hard day. And then it literally has a cartoon picture of like her daughter with a wine glass saying mommy needs a drink <gasps> what are you teaching dude okay yeah there's so many things i can say about that exactly my point yeah why alcoholism is a feminist issue so the fact that that book sells is scary no. oh 
I didn't even tell you the best part. Oh, great. It's like a bestseller. Number one on Amazon, like bestseller. Yeah, for children's books. Okay, so anyone who says, <laughs> like, any argument that I get about alcohol being a feminist issue or it being a problem in society, I'm just going to point them to that book and be like, well, then explain yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Proves I my was completely. shocked. It's shocking. I'm shocked. Yeah. And then I thought I was like, I was being sensitive because like, what? you know, of who yeah. I am. And then I talked to my brother about it. I'm like, you're never going to freaking believe that, you know, someone so who went to high school with, check out this book. And he's like, and he's like a raging alcoholic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, whoa, dude, that's fucked up. I'm like, okay, if he thinks it's fucked up, it is officially totally messed up. Right. And when you look at child abuse and neglect statistics, it's like that brings it to a whole different level of fucked up. For sure. I I have a lot to say about that. It's, it's, that's just so messed up on so many different levels. Like, yeah, it just shows what our society is okay with and how, how we use alcohol as like, is it the cure all? Is it the fix all? Is, is that how we handle motherhood and hard days? And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, terrible absolutely terrible so it's just it's bizarre like I think it's even more just like accepted like in our generation like I was talking to my mom about it and she's like I don't ever remember like it being that hard that I needed to like completely numb out from you guys like Mm. I don't remember that at all and my mom is like she'll have like a glass of wine or like whatever she's not like a heavy drinker and neither is my dad like they they like their wine but they don't go over the top with it Mm -hmm. I'm like why are your children like just crazy like we're just like it's just like (laughs) or why do you feel like drinking is going to solve the crazy yeah well I mean Partially, I get it because you you do it numbs the world from you a little bit, but I can't yeah. imagine parenting hungover. So that's a whole other thing. No, I I can't no. even take care of myself when I'm hungover. Can I imagine? can't even take care of my dog, like, right? Or my plants. I don't water my <laughs> when I'm hungover. <laughs> that's the last thing I'm doing. Dead my plants. That is hilarious. Do you want kids? Like yes, you do. I- love kids so much yeah I work with kids I work with special needs kids oh Um, cute and I had a preschool client a year ago yeah I didn't think I wanted kids until I had this client and I worked at a preschool and I kid you not I felt like my heart was going to burst out of my chest because they are so funny and they are so honest and they're such little shitheads, but they're so cute. So you can't get mad at them. And I completely changed my mind. Um, even, you know, I work with really challenging kids who have challenging behaviors because of their disabilities and I would take 10 of them. Like if you gave them to me, so yes, yes, yes. I want kids. Oh, do you have children? God, no. No, no, they would be taken away from me. No, <laughs> no, I definitely. Well, like back to the dog comment. You can yeah. have kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ross is all that I can handle. I'm cool. I love kids and I love to give them back. Yeah. So maybe I'll be an auntie. I don't know. I, I actually hope I'm not even like for my brother's sake. Probably, like I hope that never happens, but you know, who knows? Never yeah. say never. <laughs> never know, right? Yeah. 
but no, I'm, I'm cool with everyone else having kids. Yeah. And I know people like that. That's, you know, I was that person. Um, but I just think they are so precious and I feel like I would be a good mom and I never felt like that before. So yeah, you would be an awesome mom. Thank you. Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, I have one more question for you. Okay. What advice would you give to anyone who is listening, who is thinking of getting sober or like struggling right now? What is a piece of advice that you could offer? Oh, I mean, it's so specific to each individual, but I would say to reach out and create a community. There are Mm. so many people, you wouldn't believe it. I'm still shocked at how many people are sober and, or sober curious or have the same childhood issues that I have, or the same self-esteem issues that I have, or was drinking for the same reasons that I was. Um, They are out there, your tribe is out there. And I think the easiest way really is to use the internet. It's a great tool um, to find your people. Um, Instagram is great. All I did was type in sober and then a million accounts came up, add them, send them messages and create a community. That's really what gets me through. That's awesome. Yes, I definitely agree. Using the internet and I think is a great like stepping stone to making real connections with other people because they're these are people behind these accounts I mean yeah it's like cute fun like colors and and creative memes but there are actually real life people with a heartbeat and you know a story a story story, (laughs) yeah behind them so exactly and obviously eventually you want to meet them in person and start creating an actual real life community but I just think Mm -hmm. a good first step while you're still figuring out what's going on and in quarantine to utilize the internet. Yeah, totally. And it's also, it's really interesting. Um, just actually a couple of the guests stories have included 30 days, like starting off with just like 30 days. Yes. Yes. So, like that's a huge stepping stone and, and building that like foundation or like dipping your toe in the water, even just to see what it's like. Right. And then you get that, like I was talking about earlier, how I started originally with 30 days and then went to 60 days is you get that Mm -hmm. excitement and that almost power. You feel powerful because I think drinking takes away so much of your power and your decision-making. And then when you don't drink for three days or 30 days, you get all this power back and you feel so powerful and you feel in control of yourself and your emotions and it's addicting. It's addicting to be sober. Yeah, totally. To be in control. Yeah. And have that power. I love that. Absolutely. Tori, thank you so, so much. Where can we find you on the World Wide Web? At the Retired Party Girl on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And to shop my merch, it's bonfire.com slash the dash retired dash party dash girl. Sweet. And get some of that merch, girl. Thank you so much, Jessica. This was so much fun. Tori is such a sweetheart, and I love everything that she's doing and that she stands for. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and give us feedback about the podcast. We love to hear from you. 
Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide and the blog. Don't forget about the blog. We have tons of how-tos, tips, tricks, and a whole page of downloadable tools to help you at every stage of your recovery. Head to asobergirlsguide.com and download them today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.